The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock in this episode of the show. I'm joined by my good friend Peter Overzet. You can also, if you'd like to watch the video, watch this on Peter's YouTube channel. We hadn't uh, been on a show together other than the Swolecast for about a month and a half. So, you know, wanted to have Pete on to talk, of course, about cryptocurrency and uh, Top Shot, obviously, but then, you know, kind of our our reading and meditation habits as we uh, got done with our bet and then headed out of, uh, you know, we we both now have at least gotten one dose of vaccination, so we're, you know, kind of heading back out into the world a little bit. But you you guys know Pete. It's uh, it's always uh, a great time talking to him, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. If you want to support the show, which is something that we talk about in this episode as well, uh, please subscribe to patreon.com slash TateCast. Uh, you get uh, almost daily episodes of uh, Top Shot updates and, and lots of other stuff that we have going on there as well. Please subscribe to Peter's YouTube channel. Uh, uh, and if you want to support this show without spending any money, just leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now let's go ahead and get into the episode. One. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. Bringing in my buddy Peter Overzet. We haven't done uh, we haven't done a show first off in like a month, month and a half ish since you and Jack came on. More importantly, um, in the middle of the Top Shot bear market, and then now you are officially an NFT creator. You have dived in to the open sea. You're, how are you? Are you feeling? Are you riding high? Are you cresting the waves of NFT? creatordom yeah you know uh you know i guess i'll break uh you know break character here uh my my alter ego pete manzanelli uh has been uh, launching his own man's coin nfts and then it kind of culminated yesterday with the one coin he put for auction was the 69 coin and this dfs uh and poker player that i think a, a decent amount of people in our community know clairvoyant uh he got in a bidding war with another man's fan, and it got all the way up to 4.2069 ETH. And uh, I will say, even uh, it was easy for me to break character yesterday because it was a, a surreal moment that someone was spending that kind of money on a, a meme coin NFT. So yeah, it's it's been a wild uh, 24 hours for me. You know what? I was working on the agenda for this, and I was thinking back to when the first time you and I would have done a show together and i'm pretty sure the first time that you ever came on this show and we are we're streaming it right now on your youtube channel as well but i i'm fairly certain that the first time you and i ever did a show together we like went behind the scenes of the mans we like we like broke down the bit and you you talking about like man's <laughs> super fans and like doing the the swole cast audition everything which is just very is just very funny um to to have seen that become such a profitable endeavor for you and you know i remember 
because I did I did the take cast and I did uh, Levitan's uh, D, uh, DFS Edge podcast like that off season. And I remember being very excited and even a little nervous for both of those shows. Uh, and we've come a long way now where, I mean, going on the take cast, it doesn't even get the juices flowing, Davis. Well, now you're just famous. I mean, now just you're kidding. just famous. You're, you're, no, way more, you're way more famous than me. I mean, you have, you have Brian Scalabrini's agent reaching out to you. You have Rosalind Golda one day coming on the show. Like it, it's no one has prospered during the coronavirus, uh, the coronavirus era, other than, you know, all of the world's billionaires that are just getting minted during all of this and Peter Overzet. I mean, you're, you're up like literally like Peter Overzet stock is on a, is it a, is on a Bitcoin like ascendancy right now. If you zoom out on the Peter Overzet chart, it's, it's very much one direction. Yeah, I don't know. I, I de- obviously I get uncomfortable talking. Uh, <laughs> like I'm willing to talk meta about a character I created, but talking like meta about my own uh, career and stuff is is awkward for me. But I will say, we, I mean, y- you as well. Like we put in a ton, a ton of hours making content since the pandemic hit, and like it, you know, everyone always talks about like overnight success or whatever but there were hundreds of streams i've done for 10 people yeah. for 15 people like for no one um so it it has been cool in the past few months to have the intersection of top shot and nft um get more eyeballs in front of stuff but you know we we've been here all along uh doing the same thing yeah it's not it's not like um i i feel as if doing stuff is any different now than when i was doing you know, uh, MLB daily fantasy streams with Soccer Dave out of my out of my dorm room. Like it, the the process of like logging on and doing content is is very similar. It's just you know way more people care about the show now than than you know they did three years ago. Yeah, and I mean it's it's cool. Like we we did that show with my buddy uh, Mike Zakarian, who's doing Top Shot takes, and he's a super talented guy I've known forever from doing improv. And, you know, he's done lots of comedic stuff and like, it's, it's hard to get traction in the comedy world because it's such a competitive market and he's crushing on YouTube. He just crossed 2000 subs on his morning, uh, top shot take show. And it's just like, it's exciting that because of the interest in top shot that like talented content creators are actually getting kind of rewarded and noticed, uh, because of top shot and NFTs. Yeah. I mean, that that's which has always been the bull case for NFTs. Well, part of the bull case was just that it would allow there to be more, you know, frictionless transaction. But as a result, you know, this is a very meta thing that would have been like if you would have told this to someone 10 years ago, they would have looked at you like you had like a third leg or something. But like I enjoy consuming content about the things I like almost maybe even more than the things I like themselves. So like a prime example of this is I really like soccer. Um, I probably, you know, I watch like three or four matches a week or whatever, but my favorite thing about soccer is this podcast I listen to about soccer. It's called the, the guardian football extra. And they have, they do two episodes a week. And like, that that's like my like I go on a walk I take the dog I listen to the whole thing I don't dick around on Twitter like I just listen to it and I enjoy it and like I enjoy that more than I enjoy any soccer match that I watch and I assume a lot of people have a very similar thing about Top Shot with that where they enjoy the Top Shot content almost even more dude I am the exact same way with about 
everything. I mean, it, it's a joke that I don't watch NBA basketball, but I, I'm not even, other than Red Zone, that block on Sundays for about yeah. seven hours, I really don't watch sports. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, at all. You know, I watch some playoff football, you know, some primetime big game stuff. But other than that, like, I don't watch sports, but I love listening to my favorite podcast. I'll listen to our guys over at the No Dunks. I'll listen to all these things because I enjoy the people, the dare I say community, the content way more than the things we're talking about. Yeah, like the No Dunks actually is a great example. I, I, would, I would actually say in my life, 100%, I have listened to more hours of NBA podcasts than I've watched hours of NBA games. And I bet it's not even close because... I probably have an NBA game on three times a week. I probably don't watch the whole thing of very many of them, but I never miss an episode of the low post. And I at least start every episode of no dunks. Like at some point in my day, I will listen to 30 minutes of no dunks, like almost for sure. I will say though, I've had, I feel like the pendulum might've swung a little too far in the other direction for me. And I, I know I always use improv analogies, but there's this thing where you would hear a lot of people, they would, you do a ton of shows and a ton of rehearsals. And it's like, that's all you're doing is performing improv. Eventually like your fodder runs dry. Like you need life yeah. experiences and new things to inspire you and give you new ideas. And I sometimes worry, like I'm making content so much that I'm not really consuming a lot other than podcasts and Twitter. And I'm like, I need to actually maybe just shut off and read more books, watch more sports and feel, have more of a knowledge base because otherwise I'm just going to end up talking about me talking about things. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, which is, you know, the, the meta, the meta commentary stuff. And some people, people enjoy content about other content, right? Like, uh, like a subgenre of podcasts is like, podcasts about tv shows and podcasts about movies and things and i mean people really enjoy that you are you are right though i will say i have gotten much better since january really since our reading bet i've gotten a lot better about like like i don't tweet very much on the weekends i try I, you know i i i uh the big thing for me is not getting in slack on the weekends for, for you and probably a lot of people listening, it's discord. But dude, if I, if I sit down at my desk and get like, I'm working on DFS lineups, I, maybe I have a game on and I'm in Slack, like three hours can go by. And I'm just like, Holy shit. I didn't do anything, but dick around in Slack and like set a major league baseball showdown lineup. Like that's the big thing for me is Slack or discord. It's just like a black hole of attention and energy. A hundred percent. I, I, I've been really enjoying discord. Um, it's, it's super fun to, to shoot the shit in there, but man, you can have a morning just absolutely evaporate. And I've, I think I mentioned this to you, you know, since my trip, uh, Lauren and I went to South Carolina, I came back, I like wanted to get focused on some stuff. I've started time blocking my days, which I know to a lot of people sounds awful, but like today I've had an incredibly productive day. Like I'm doing this for these 30 minutes yesterday. I didn't do that. And I just, I mean, granted I was building up to the man stream, but I just literally sat on discord and Twitter for seven hours straight yesterday, getting nothing, you know, productive done. Yeah. Like I, and I have, like, I have things that I like block out. Like I got to do this every single day, but like today, for example, I got the TV show. I got to do a stream after this. I recorded a golf podcast in between. Like I didn't, like, I didn't get any writing done today. I, I like got other like, you know, errands and miscellaneous crap I got to do. And I just, I just didn't get to any of it today because in the time when I should have been working on that stuff, I was in, I was in Slack. <laughs> I was in Slack dicking off and not getting anything done, which is, that's like a, that's a big work from home. 
thing that, it pro- I mean, I've never worked in an office, so I don't know. I assume that it's a little bit harder to dick off like that in an office, but I guess I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, in an office, you have more, you have some more meetings throughout the day. You have people swinging by your, basically the equivalent of, you know, we just go on Twitter or discord or Slack to chat. You have more conversations with your coworkers, you know, people swinging by. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's a different kind of pace, uh, to the workday. And it, it was always funny to me when I was in the office, because a lot of people use their work life as part of their social life. Like they just want to come and shoot the shit with you about other things. And so much of my social life is online, you know? So it's always like, I already feel like I'm getting the water cooler chatter uh, on the online water cooler chatter. And I don't want to talk for 35 minutes about, you know, what I did this weekend. Yeah. All right. What was I, I, cause I actually don't know. I literally do not know the answer to this question. What is the process of creating an NFT? Like, like minting it? Like how, like, was this like you just like, did you have to run a node? Are you like sitting there like super deep into it? Like I, I really, I literally do not know the first thing about actually creating an NFT. Yeah, I, I do have to give a shout out to uh, John Solis. I think you you might know him, uh, yeah. Rotoviz guy. Uh, yeah, you were on his podcast with him and Devin uh, a while ago. He he walked me through it. Um, it's not that intimidating. There's like little quirks to it, but with OpenSea, it is free to mint. So anyone can go mint on there relatively easy. You know, you do have to do a couple of things like you have to do a free transaction to like verify your account, which when gas fees are what they are now, it might cost you $50 just to verify your account. Um, But once you get going, it's really easy. The process for the man's coin was extremely tedious because you'll see like a lot of um, NFTs and say that they're out of 100 and someone just hit, puts that in once and says, make 100 of these. Well, because I wanted each coin to have the different serial number, number, I had to do each one individually. So not only did I have to mint them individually, but you have to go in the settings, you know, click what properties I had unlockable content to get people's addresses. So that was all one process, 200 of those. Then I had to list them. And since I didn't want to list them all consecutively, I had them set for a date. I had to manually set the go live date on all 200. So I know Joke probably spent six to seven hours cumulative just on OpenSea, like getting everything ready. I mean, you'll do anything for a bit. Six to seven, <laughs> hour, six to seven hours is nothing for a bit. I mean, it's all, especially if it's going to be a good bit. Well, that's what I'll say. Like, I mean, the whole thing with the man's NFTs, and I, I've said this to a few people, is like, I love this idea of making fun of like the buzz word community that means nothing that all of these like shit projects are saying. I love the idea of spoofing that while also simultaneously trying to build a very fun community for people. And I think I've kind of towed that line successfully and um, hopefully too. I mean, I am putting a ton of work in this. I've spent another 10 hours uh, shipping the coins, um, getting all the stuff ready. So um, it has been a labor of love. And luckily, thanks to uh, the auction yesterday, it's been a successful one. You, you love to see it. I mean, okay, this, I, I actually, I want to ask about this community thing. Like, are, are the NFT people, like, serious about this? Like, when, like, Gary V tweets about, like, the community with, like, six hearts in the tweet, like, how many, how many people, like, really believe in this? Because, like, so the Top Shot community, that's a thing. There's, like, this community of people who have aped in and who have loved it. But, like, are are there a community of people around Picasso punks? Like, I, it, like and CryptoPunks, too, by the way, 
CryptoPunks is just like a rich way for people to like log on, right? Like like for rich people to be like, I've aped in, I get it, I'm cool. But like I I, I don't know. Like I I feel like it's it's very tongue in cheek. Yeah, and I've. I mean, I've made fun of that too with the CryptoPunks, like the uh, the the white guys at the baseball game, like row of them. Like if you oh, see a that bolt, tweet was so good. <laughs> I mean, that's it does sometimes feel like that. Of like, uh, it feels like the entire world is bullish on CryptoPunks, but it's actually just the like whatever couple thousand unique owners of CryptoPunks that are actually right. super bullish. Yeah, it goes back to the like the paradox of it. Like, I do truly believe in actual communities and how powerful they are as far as what they can do but you know you also see so much shit stuff out there and i mean jack had just posted today damian lillard yeah damian lillard his his thing flopped like that's insane that we live in a world where man's coin goes for 4.2 eth and damian lillard can't sell his for five eth and, and, but it literally that's community right like is there any yeah. difference there like why can't dame lillard get five eth well, I think, I mean, I think what Jack said is right, which is that like the, you know, the Zion token, the, the Mahomes tokens, like the, like those NFTs, like it is because that's just clearly no interest in crypto, no interest in any community. It's literally just, I would like for you to transfer me some cash, please. Although Mahomes, this was for charity, uh, to be fair to the guy. I mean, it, it is just obvious who was aping in for the dollars and who seems to care about because i guess there is this distinction also with people who are interested in nfts for the art and people who are interested in like the blockchain ethereum erc20 tokens and like i guess just from my perspective like i tend to think that the people who are crypto first are probably a little bit more genuine because they see this as an actual application of this thing that they got excited about two years ago three years ago or whatever yeah. And the thing I've been thinking about, and it was fun to do, you know, man's was the perfect vehicle for me to try it out. I would never have made a Peter Overzet NFT or whatever. Like it just, I never would have done it, but man's, it was like so natural. He had launched the physical man's coins to spoof the crypto boom a few years ago. So it just made sense to bring him back. But I, and I'm curious your thoughts on this too. Like it does really excite me for what the next few years could look like for content creators. Like as someone who is very heavily thinking about transitioning careers to doing this stuff full time and having to think through, you know, do I want to work for someone? Do I want to exchange my time for a salary and safety? Or are there going to be streams for me to do this on my own? And up until now, those streams have been a little tougher to pull off through the Patreons, through that stuff. And now I do think, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, right now the NFTs are largely helping artists, um, but I think we're close to unlocking that kind of, um, I don't know, value transfer between fans and creators. And I'm, I'm just excited for it because I think, oh man, maybe in a couple of years I could make a living because of this new paradigm shift. Well, I think pr the first thing that has to happen, but like a priori before all of this is ETH, uh, 2.0 because the 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 biggest barrier is instantaneous transfer of small amounts of value. Yeah. So for example, I use this I use this web browser Brave. Yeah. Which is uh I I really like it, but it, it is just like a libertarian fever dream. Like it's actually <laughs> stupid, and I I'm not like touting it. Like I've mentioned on the show before, but I, it's not something that I'm so passionate about that I'm like you know everyone should go and use this, but. The, the thesis statement 
behind it is basically I could give out these basic attention tokens. Like if I if I like laughed at your tweet, I could give you like two basic attention tokens that are worth like you know nothing. Like I could give you like three U.S. dollars worth of basic attention token instead of retweeting you or whatever. And but no, like so then you you scroll back and like okay, well no one signed up to receive this. It's it's not a it's not a built-in network. There's no network effects for it. And it's very hard, so it doesn't it doesn't really work. You, you get this basic attention token, you can't do anything with it. But in Web 3.0 with ETH 2.0, well, then that becomes a little bit easier. You listen to a podcast, you like the podcast, you send 0.01 ETH, you send it instantly. There's like hardly any gas fee. Like it, it, it kind of like a tipping economy, basically. But it what it really becomes is it becomes an attention economy. Yeah. And because that's the thing. I, so my favorite thing to do, my absolute favorite thing in the world is to make those like short form comedic Twitter videos, taking yeah. like a topic that's popular, like my top shop bro or the crypto punk or whatever. Like I absolutely love it. And they can do really well on Twitter, but I, I make zero money off of that. They take me seven or eight hours probably from start to finish to do. And people really seem to enjoy them and say, I get a little bit of clout and I get some retweets, but it's like, I, I want to live in a world where I feel like I think I think I could bring value in making a few of those a week, but like how how can I make a living doing that? And I'm not saying like make an NFT of the video and then someone owns the video, but like there has to be something there where it can be possible for me to make videos that people like and not need like a big sponsor to, you know, offset the bill. Well, you know, the way people do that now is they create viral content that brings you to your Twitter page and then they sell you like well if you have a bi- if you have a lot of followers if you have 200,000 followers or whatever you can get enough ad revenue off of a podcast to live or if you have a huge YouTube channel you can get people onto your Twitter profile you can get and and you and I've talked about this before but like click throughs uh, on YouTube yeah. videos especially which is weird because I get decent click throughs on podcasts um, like I, like, I don't know, probably like 30% of the traffic for the take cast comes through Twitter click throughs. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of it is, is obviously like guest driven, like, you know, when, when Doug Polk comes on the, those, you know, big, bigger guest episodes do better because those generate more of the click throughs and that a lot of it is SEO driven. Um, and then you, you, you do get advantages from like, you know, the take cast has been going for like three years at this point. So it just does better in SEO and stuff. Yeah. But it's still, even if I want, if I wanted to quit my day job and just do this podcast, it, it, I wouldn't be able to generate enough ad revenue to, you know, to live. Um, so I, I, I think it's, it's, I mean, your disadvantage right now is you don't have anything to sell people. It's all, it would be ad revenue from, from YouTube, basically. Like you, you don't have anything to sell people. Exactly. And Blender actually slid into my DMs a while ago. He's like, you know, I'll help you make a course like or whatever, you know, to sell. and I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not an actual thought leader on like NFTs or Top Shot. Like what I am selling is entertainment. And I, now, now we're back to uh, using the word community unironically in building fun communities. And so they're like, how, how do you make a living off of that stuff? That's what I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Obviously in a perfect world, I would just be able to make short form comedic Twitter videos <laughs> for uh full time. It would be great. Yeah. I mean, 
the I and I'm I'm big on Patreon. Like obviously we do the we do the Patreon for this show. Yeah. But I like I really like to subscribe to Patreon for guys I like. Like I I I listen to a lot of the episodes I get on Patreon, but kind of it it's just like yeah, I'll give you five bucks a month because I like you and I, I think what you do is cool and good. Do, you, um, do people like, do you have like, because I know within the Patreon functionality, there's also kind of like the chats and the comments and stuff. Do you have like people who like to talk in there about the show? Yeah, well, so what I do is if you subscribe to my Patreon, I'll just follow you. So like you can you can DM me on Twitter because I'll get to Patreon DMs. But yeah. I'm not going to get to them as fast as I'm going to get to Twitter DMs. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm literally never logged off of Twitter. Um, and so then you're I, offering, I, you're offering more access for for people. Yeah. 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 And and um, I, I had a Discord for a while, like back before Discords were even cool. But like one of the one of the things I have done time blocking is like I cannot have Discord on my desktop. I cannot have Slack open and Discord and DraftKings. And like all the, like, I just can't, they're just, yeah. it would be, it would be too much for me. Yeah. Um, but like that, that offering a discord as part of, you know, the $5 tier, the $3 tier, whatever that people do with Patreon is one of the things that people do kind of as like, you're getting more bang for your buck, you're getting more access, but, but also like kind of just, you're, you're, you're paying to kind of to get into a community. And I think many people are okay with that transaction. Well, I I've set that up through, through my YouTube and the, the impetus for it initially was because of the top shot stuff. There was the club top shot discord that I had in my discord and it had gotten so insane because everyone was like, Oh, this is better than the regular top shot discord. But then it became just as toxic and unwieldy. And I was like, I need to create a place for the people who are fans of me that like each other, that have become friends, a place where they can talk. So the nice thing is YouTube had the integration with Discord, where if you're a member, it's all they have to do is sync it up within their Discord, and they automatically get access to the private channel. And so I know right now with Patreon, you can do that stuff, but I think there's a lot of manual setting up to get people in. So I just love this idea. Someone becomes a member, they get access to the private emojis, they get the badge, they come in the Discord, and now they see the channel. And it's it's one of my favorite channels in my entire server because they are all people who are like, I'm willing to pay $5 a month for this. And it just has created a much better community, I think, than if you just let it grow or you're spamming your link and be like, everyone come in here right now. So if I remember right, and this could be wrong and people can feel free, if I remember right from setting up the Discord, which again, guys, I'm sorry if you subscribe to the Patreon <laughs> and I, I don't have the Discord set up. I don't remember it being that manual and I am in a couple discords from subscribing to Patreons. I get, I don't, I, I mean, maybe I log in a discord like once a week just to, I don't know, just to kind of poke around or whatever, but I, I don't remember it being that manual. It does. It doesn't mean that it's not, but I don't, I don't remember it being that way. Also can't, can't you, isn't there like a Twitch like feature on YouTube now where like I can subscribe, like I can pay four ninety nine or whatever to get your, that's stuff, what I'm like, referencing. At, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So, it that's what I have. And right now I, so the, the people who sign up, they get the custom emojis, which has honestly been really fun because I just cycle through them based on like the show. So like when we had the no dunks guys on, I get the skeets and Trey Kirby emojis locked in for the stream. And then they also get loyalty badges, which I think are particularly fun now in the top shot era where like the gamification and the badge stuff and they progress based on how long people have been members. Um, so you get that. And then on top of it, you get the access to the private discord. And I think there's some stuff I want to do, um, with it more, but 
it's been fun because I've been doing giveaways and things specifically for the VIPs, like trying to bring more value to it in addition to, to the other perks that come with it. Yeah. I mean, that is your, that is your answer to the question of how do you get paid to do five minute long uh, parody improv videos on, on Twitter. It's like you, you just extend that process out even further. Yeah. And that, that's the, that's what I have to crack. I mean, honestly, like one of the things, the man's, uh, the auction is, uh, man's tossed in, he would make a video, a custom video for you about any subject you want, like just trying as hard as I can to make a viral video. And I was talking to Jack, I was like, how can we actually appraise that, you know, for what, what that would worth? Like if you had a small business and you want me to make a really funny you know, promotional video for that. Uh, that's, that's what I would do. So I'm actually going to be talking to clairvoyant later tonight to see what he wants me to, to make a video on as man's as part of his, his purchase. But yeah, I'm just starting to experiment with those kind of things and be like, are there ways for me to make the content I like to make while also allowing like true fans to, to own or be the director of that content? Well, so just as you were talking, like there, there's another market for that. Of course you could appraise that. That's like cameo, but for viral videos like that, <laughs> it, that is, that's totally something you could do and offer as a service, like no doubt about it. Yeah. I don't it's know. Just, I, that, I don't, that's kind of corporate. Like, I don't know if that's what you're into. Well, this is where it gets hard, right? Davis, because like, I, obviously we all want to have our cake and eat it too, because I, I like making those videos when I get a really good idea and I'm really excited about it. Whereas if you told me, all right, Peter, every Tuesday and Thursday, you need to put out a viral video. I I couldn't do that. I'm not going to be that inspired every time to do that. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a dilemma. Yeah. I mean, I, I am probably like, I am, um, more into like immediate monetization than you are. Like, it's just cause I mean, that's just, I have more of a transactional mindset, I think. Like I, like if I was as talented as you and able to do that stuff and, and just had more of like a mind, like for skits, like that's just not, it's not really my thing. I would be down to whore myself out for that, for sure. I, I, I think, I mean, I, I guess I can't say for sure, but I think I would do that. I, I guess I can't, I don't know for sure though. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's a, it's a tough thing to crack, but that's why I'm excited about the NFT stuff because it's made it feel in a way less shilly because you're actually giving someone something of value, something they own, and then they can make the choice of whether that's just like a badge of fandom or something they think is going to actually appreciate in value long-term, which I, I think that kind of optionality with it is pretty fun. Yeah. All right. Very related to this conversation. You and I are, are both um, Bitcoin bulls. I don't I don't think we're maxis because we would never tweet something like don't do host don't do housing renovations, just buy sats instead. That would kill me from the, Peter yesterday. The 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 Bitcoin maxis are, do a better you well, you said it best. I mean they do a better parody of themselves than we could ever do. The the things that some of these like total extremists believe and tweet are just like so beyond the pale that I don't even think they could actually believe them themselves. And they're just tilting so hard right now while NFTs and ETH they have hate it. in the sun. Oh, they hate it. But something that has happened over the last six months has been like, I, I have spent all of this time accumulating Bitcoin and I have, you know, Ethereum that I had sitting back from you know, the OG run, you know, 20, 2016, 2017. But I, I've added a weekly buy, which you were, you recommended I do. And then I've just bought some uh, periodically as well. But like for, I think kind of for the first time, 
I have seen, like my eyes have been open to the vision of what Ethereum can actually do and how, like the concept of the metaverse probably would have been something if you told me about it in 2017, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. I mean, like, you know, we're all increasingly online. We all, you know, whatever, but like, I'm really starting to see it now. Everyone's working from home. We're all becoming way more comfortable with the concept of digital ownership and digital space and all of that. And like Ethereum really was designed to be like a web 3.0 product. Um, so I, I guess, I guess the question is, do you can like, have you kind of been on this similar path of just being like Ethereum has so much more of a future than I thought it did six months ago? Yeah, no, definitely. And what's been hard for me is, um, like by portfolio standards, I am a BTC maxi. Like, Same. like yeah. I, I'm probably, you know, the, the recent surge in ETH from the NFTs has helped balance me out a little bit. But before that, I was probably like 97% Bitcoin. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. I think the thing I'm still struggling with is knowing, do I want to put some of my ETH investment in these other types of assets, whether it's an NFT, whether it's in sushi swap or some of this DeFi stuff, or do I just want to say, Pete, you're not going to be smart enough to know what's the best long-term investment, but you believe in ETH and just let it hold an actual ETH. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now, where I don't know if I want to guess on what's going to win out, but I, I do feel fairly confident that ETH is here to stay. Yeah, I, I feel pretty confident in that too. And and this is, you know, obviously where people get confused is Ethereum and Bitcoin are, are meant to do different things. Ethereum is meant, you know, obviously to power smart contracts. It's meant to be a little bit more frictionless than Bitcoin. Like the, like the fact that Bitcoin transactions take 45 minutes to um, confirm that that's kind of, it's just not really a big deal anymore like like i it's i i i and i know that people get very excited about the lightning network and you know all of those things and I, i'm on board with that like if bitcoin becomes a medium for transaction it's not like i think that hurts its bull case or anything but it just it's meant to be less of a transactorial medium basically yeah, it, but the irony is eth is still like you said as a 2.0 thing is still struggling with that where it's like just interacting with nfts you see like the bull case in the bear case for it of like the bull holy cow ownership is assigned this smart contract facilitates the switch in ownership the transfer of this at the same time you're spending like a 40 percent fee at least in the man's coin nfts on gas fees it'd be like imagine what people would be saying about a credit card if you made a 140 dollar purchase and had to spend an additional 50 dollars in transaction costs like you'd be like this is we need a new system and so it's weird right now that we're still we're not fully there yet because it's it's hard for people to wrap their heads around why do I have to spend this much in gas if this is the future. Yeah, and I mean I've I've heard about ETH ETH 2.0 for a long time, right? It's, it's going on like 2 years now of the the idea of of ETH 2.0, you know, bouncing around and you know ETH doesn't have a fixed supply. ETH is not truly decentralized the way that Bitcoin is truly decentralized. Like the 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 two things are meant to accomplish something very different where i'm at is very similar to you where like i i am um uh yield farming uniswap like not not a crazy amount or anything like that but just i i kind of just wanted to see how it worked and it yeah. it's pretty it's pre it's pretty cool um if if i was gonna ape like you know 20 eth or 10 eth or something into a project right now i think i would just do 
some kind of some kind of stable coin farming like mirror or uh, or terra or some i get i get or or tether just to raise the floor of kind of your risk yeah because you are if you if you like if you're going to be long on eth anyways you're not planning on it crashing to you know uh, you know going down 50 percent in a week anyways so earning that extra five percent i i had some money on blockfi for a while um i actually i took all my coins off of blockfi though the they like obviously i knew this was going on slashing their interest rates well that that sucks too but they i mean they have to take positions right to pay off all this interest BlockFi has to take positions and if they get liquidated, right? If they get liquidated on one of those positions, well, I mean, you're kind of just shit out of luck. It's kind of just one of those liquidity problems that, you know, happens to everyone in during a global financial crisis and one of my one of my more um like bear not 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 BTC bears but just bearish on like the global economy, buddies was like, "Dude, you got to get your coins off of BlockFi. Like it's not worth it's not worth 5% a year or 4% a year or whatever." to risk like, you know, liquidating your, your, your life savings. So I was like, okay, so I, I, right now, the only thing I have out that's earning any yield is the Uniswap stuff, which is probably a mistake. Cause all the, all the, all the bulls are staking something. I know. And uh, I haven't, I haven't done it yet. Um, just out of kind of laziness and not, uh, you know, being a little fear as far as what my ultimate risk tolerance, like you said, what's the, what's the phrase? It's like, picking pennies up in the middle of traffic, um, that kind of thing. So yeah, I've, uh, but we've also, I see the mayor, you know, posting his little minor gif, uh, you know, on Twitter and I get FOMO too. So yeah, it's, it's a tough spot. Well, it just, it just feels like also if it was very easy, risk-free and simple to figure out, it would be too good to be true. Every, every jackass would, would stake, right? Every, every person would be out there staking their stuff, but there's a little bit of risk. It's a little bit complicated to figure out, you know, decentralized finance, DeFi. It's not, it is not something that you can just pick up. You can't, you can't go to the library and read a book about it. Like you got, you kind of got to do a little bit of legwork and, you know, admittedly, I have not done probably enough of that legwork to figure out exactly, but it is something that I'm tempted to dump some real liquidity into because making 5% on top of something I already believe in would be nice. Like for example, if I, if I really believed in Tezos, which is 4.5% APY, I would, I would just dump it all into Tezos, but I like, I don't really, you know, it's just, it's just a random ERC 20 token. Yeah. I've had my, a lot of my Bitcoin on Gemini in their earn program the past few months. Um, I, I mean, compounding interest in a deflationary asset is it's an intoxicating thing. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. I still think about the risks about it. I do have, I don't know if it's naive, but an amount of trust in Gemini, just what they're backed by, regulated in New York. I've listened to plenty of interviews with the Winklevi. Uh, it seems like they have so much at stake uh, with Bitcoin and their reputation. I just, I have a hard time imagining uh the floor really bottoming out in a way that would just wipe out the entire exchange i mean coinbase is headed toward what kind of valuation here as they ipo like 150 billion yeah so i i don't want to say they're too big to fail we've we don't want to throw those those words around but i do have a level of confidence in just having my btc earn me you know three percent uh apy or whatever well the i mean where we're at now is 
there would be quite a battle to make Bitcoin exchanges and Bitcoin exchanging in general illegal in the United States. If they, if, you know, the Fed would have moved on this in 2015, they probably could have gotten it done. They probably would not have met that much. I mean, maybe the wink of eye, maybe some bodies would have, you know, really tried to stand in the way, but they have like all of these corporate enemies now and all of these like different interests and entities that would not not be on board for sweeping bitcoin legislation yeah i mean in the the government knows that they can uh easily track everything that happens with bitcoin why do you think china is trying to roll out their own version of the cryptocurrency because they know or not crypto their own version of digital currency that it will allow them to track everything so much easier i mean this is a dream for governments yeah it's 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 much easier it's much easier than cash yeah no no doubt about it i mean it is it's so I, I don't know, like a lot of the a lot of the FUD about Bitcoin now, it's it's just like laughable. The, well, the FUD now is like, oh, it's killing the earth, which is, you know, just oh, uh, uh, demonstrably time over time, you know, just proved to be stupid. Yeah. It's like, yeah, what is it that, you know, NFTs are killing the rainforest, but all of the millionaires can, you know, fly to, you know, the can, you know, movie festival or to various art things in their private jets. And that's okay, but it's the NFT minting that is actually killing the environment. It's so absurd. Yeah. All right. Changing it up a little bit. How fast after April 1st, after our reading meditation bet, how quick did it take you to go back to not reading and not meditating? Yeah, it's been bad. So with our bet, for people who didn't know, Davis and I, I think it was a 100-day bet, wasn't it? December 1st to April 1st, whatever that Whatever yeah, I think it ended being. up being close to like 100 days, um, but we had to meditate for 10 minutes and read for 30 minutes a day. We ended up pushing. We each missed a day, and uh, it was a great bet. I, I enjoyed being forced to do things that would benefit me, and to answer your question, I, since our bet has ended, I have meditated once and probably read like half of the days. Okay, so the reading for me actually no problem. I, I basically stuck to this game, the same schedule. Um, I went to go visit my friends in Kansas city last weekend. And so on Friday and Saturday, I didn't read at all. Cause I was, I was with my buddies and I, you know, that I guess if had our bet still been going, I would have read, I would have gotten up early on Friday morning and read, and then, you know, read late at night on Saturday night or whatever. But that, that to me, isn't the kind of habits that I was trying to change anyways. Like that wasn't really the spirit of the bet. It was what I really wanted to eliminate was it's seven 30. Maybe I just got done working out. Dinner's already done. I've already showered. You know, I'm kind of just sitting around. Maybe I, maybe I put the TV on maybe, and, But what I really wanted to eliminate is sitting there for 15 minutes on my phone, looking at Twitter, looking at Instagram and just literally accomplishing nothing like no, no progress at all. And that I have done a good job of just picking up my Kindle and just reading something for 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is crazy how, I mean, we've, we talked about it. I mean, the reason these bets are so great is it really, it eliminates that, that half second of window or indecision where you're like, ah, I'm just not going to do this. Like it just, it locks you into it. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk with you initially you had thrown out just like running it back. And I was like, Oh, maybe we should add some other element, but now I'm like, I'm willing to just run it back because I want to, to get locked into doing it again. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
the the meditation though, I I was more like I think I've meditated three times since the end of our bet. Um, but the, I, that's the one that was like more important to me to actually develop as a habit, even. Yeah, and my well, the one thing that I have mixed in, and to me they're kind of similar, is um, I, I think I mentioned to you I wanted to do more yoga, and so I've had a few mornings where I haven't I've done yoga, but I haven't done meditating. Which like at the end of yoga, anyways, you're you're kind of winding down. It's a meditative experience, similar headspace. So my my goal would be to get back to you know four or five days a week of either doing meditation or yoga. So what if we what if we set up a bet? like 30 minutes of reading every day and then you know 10 minutes of meditating and or yoga like either one either one suffices yeah yeah we should um yeah i mean the meditation one is fun in that you can like track your minutes and your streak in uh headspace the yoga one like i end up doing um just the yoga by adrian she's like one of the big she's she's great yeah she's awesome and she has like the 30 day courses stuff. So like that might actually be an easy one for the bed of like, you just have to complete this course or X amount of these courses because she literally has them for, for each day. And they'll range from somewhere between 20 to 40 minutes, I think. Um, so that could be an option too, for more like standardizing it. Yeah. Uh, I I've made it, I think eight days into that course before, before, (laughs) before I just ended up bailing out of it. Um, yeah, but she, she is great for anyone out there. If you're looking for a free way, uh, there are like good apps and stuff too. I, I, I use one called, uh, it's, it's called, it's just called down dog. You can find it on the yeah. app store or whatever. Uh, that that's the one that I use. It's, I think it's like uh 10 bucks a month maybe, but the, her videos are great. And I, I get like the, the double whammy. So I, I mean, with my stuff at the gym, one of the things I struggle with the most is hinge movements. Like like swing kettlebell swing and stuff like my hinge form is just, I've always been stiff and rigid. And so the combination of yoga, like helping me with my flexibility in that area and then helping with kind of like the meditative, like being present thing. I'm like, yoga is really the activity I need to focus on because I can kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it is. It is very good. I mean, I, and I was, um, I've been reading like a bunch of like, so, so what I kind of tried to do is read some kind of philosophy in the morning when I first wake up. Cause you don't need to be, you, you, um, you the chapters are generally shorter. You don't have to like, you know, get in that mind space of like, you're being entertained. Like it's more of like a focus thing first thing in the morning. So I was reading that like 10, 15 in, in the minutes in the morning and then fiction at night. And I was, re- I've been reading a bunch of good Buddhist stuff in the morning, which again, you know, just makes me be like, man, I, I wish I was better at meditating. And I, wish I was doing this more when I'm definitely not because I don't have this bet going with Pete. I know. It's so funny. Like you read, uh, what, what was the book you, uh, recommended to me? Um, wake up. Yeah. Wake up. And you know, you, you read the old stories, uh, about Buddha or whatever. And it'd be like, yeah, he was like for four months, he just sat in this forest by himself. And then, and then us were like, man, this past week in top shot time, a million things have happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can you imagine going and just sitting in the forest for four months and coming back to the internet and be like, what the hell happened while I was gone? No. And that, I mean, that is, that's like, uh, that's like the core struggle of my life is, is being, is being way too materialistic, way too, I mean, wait, if we really want to get deep, you know, just uh, way too materialistic, way too into money, way too capitalist, way too focused on 
don't never enough, don't have enough money, don't have enough Bitcoin, don't have enough X, Y, and Z, don't have a big enough house, don't have a nice enough car. And then also, so you have that. And then on the other hand, being like, I, you know, I just wish I was more centered. I wish I had less desires. I wish that I was, I wish that I, you know, was, was more following the four noble truths in, in my life every day. And just literally they're the most in, irreconcilable ideas in the world. They, they do not relate at all. Well, and the thing too is like the whole thing with FOMO and getting sucked in. Like when you're on the internet, you're like, man, I I don't want to miss out on this. And then you actually do unplug for a weekend or whatever. And you, you realize you didn't miss anything. Yeah, it, any, anything you needed to know, you got tagged in and you can catch up on or whatever. Uh, I, like the, the world will go on. You might miss one inside joke and you'll piece it together later, but you do realize it is okay to log off. Like, I mean, the, the most absurd version of it uh, was the people who would stay up late in case there was a pack drop announcement. You know, it's like people were not sleeping just on the chance that there might be a $9 pack available. I was like, all right, this has gone too far, guys. We got to get some sleep. When Jacob from Dapper has to tell you that you can go to bed, you can go to bed. You know, this hobby has gone from fun to unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, it's, that was, that was, uh, that was, that was during different days. That was during the, when everyone was making money hand over fist. So, so I, I think this is a good spot for us to head to the end, which is, uh, you guys just did, the state of the union with uh with Trey Kirby on club top shot where what's your what's your mental space where are you at with top shot are you feeling good are you feeling like oh i made these mistakes like where just where where are you at with top shot right now yeah i think i'm at this point where i um like a lot of us right just I am a big believer in Top Shot. I am not buying Top Shots every day. Like I have spent way more on Top Shots than I ever imagined to. And so it's just trying to communicate to people that you're still bullish on the platform. I'm not going out there and telling people like, this is a great buyer. You should be buying this. Uh, but I am uh, not buying a lot just because my money has been allocated elsewhere. And even when I get ETH, you know, from a man's auction, like I don't want to touch the ETH. Whenever I go to buy stuff, I use fiat. I use US dollars because I don't, I believe in the crypto stuff so much that I don't ever want to touch it. I don't want to trigger taxable events. I just want to put my money into stuff I believe in and let it go long-term. So yeah, with Top Shot, I think everything in the short term is all noise. I mean, if you were to just read the fundamentals on the paper, their investors, what valuation they're heading toward, you know, stuff with the playoffs, stuff with the utility, like everything points to just massive, massive bull runs in the future, and everything in the middle is just kind of noise. What did uh, what did uh, what did Settlement and Kirby have to say? I mean, I know I know Jack is on Twitter every day trying to tell people that we're in the middle of of a bull market. I I guess my my message to people right now is like, dude, it's just so it's okay, man. Zoom, zoom out on the chart a little bit, and if you if you do not think that Top Shot is cool, if you think that this is stupid. And this was a momentary bit of like collective insanity from a hundred thousand people with too much time and too much money on their hands, then get out. Like seriously, if you, if you'd never believed in it in the first place and you think that it's dumb that someone would pay $600 for a Trey young moment, a video clip, a YouTube clip. And it wasn't that it just really should have never been for you in the first place. And that's fine. You, you can buy, spend your money on something else. 
Right. And my whole thing with it is like, I'm very honest with myself about my skills in that I know I can't day trade this stuff. I know I don't follow the NBA close enough. I know I can't read uh, and do technical analysis on a chart. I know none of that. What I can do is buy the things I think are going to hold to long-term value and sit on it. And to the people who are like upset that their account valuation is going gone, I'm, I'm either like, you're a bad day trader or what you just said, zoom out on the chart and just sit back and chill. So I don't know. I just think people have to be really honest with themselves about this stuff because it's like, if you, if you believe in the things you're buying, like don't check your evaluate.market every day. Like I, I haven't checked mine for three weeks. It, it, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, so that that's a very good point. And I guess like I'm comfortable with the the gains that I made. I'm comfortable with the things that I bought with those gains. I, I The thesis when I bought them is the same as they are now. I think that it, I guess if anything, one of the things that was being bandied about by a lot of people was like, oh, you know, they're going to start marketing during the playoffs. I'm not as necessarily bullish on that now. I think they have bigger things to do in terms of like I would imagine before they turn marketing on for real, they probably just want to have KYC for everybody. Like literally like in the money in, money out. Yeah. No problem, which is good. Because a huge part of the, the negative publicity has been, I mean, there are some high profile people who don't have withdrawal, like network is going on these shows being like, Roham, send me my fucking money, yeah. which is a bad look. It's just, it's non-negotiably a bad look. Yeah. And like the thing too, I think I saw a tweet from uh, one of these crypto guys uh, the other day. Uh, I might be able to find it, but maybe not. But the the thing was, he was, he was talking about these early trades he was doing in crypto and how there was like a 50% risk that you were going to accidentally send your coins to the wrong wallet and never be able to get them. And the point I'm trying to make is like, this is the price for being early. Like there are these bugs. You are having to deal with the KYC stuff. You're like all this stuff is because you're early. If everything was all smoothed out, like then everyone would already be here and the bags you're packing right now wouldn't be worth near as much as what they're doing. So you just have to be able to deal with the short-term volatil volatility, the headaches, them working through their communication issues, their tech issues. Like this is the price for being early. Yeah, I mean, that, that really is the summary. If this was a perfect product that worked exactly as intended, they had everything sorted out, there were no changes in company policy. Everything was finalized and it was just a product that printed money for Dapper Labs and that was the only function of it. There, there really would not be moves to be made as, uh, as a consumer, right? Like eventually Top Shot will probably be a product that many of the moments are going to be very cheap. I think that this game that they're working on is probably a big part of the, of the future strategy in the future utility and they're just there won't be swangs you just are not going to see big giant swangs in your your evaluate down market or whatever it's just it's just going to be a much more stable platform which is more fun for a collector more fun for someone who's just a fan of the nba but but not as interesting towards the you know the dfs and the fantasy people who are just trying to grind out every fucking edge that there is you know yeah yeah and and i i think i need to be sympathetic to there is a hyper engaged community that loves engaging with top shot on a day-to-day -day basis. But I just think there has to be a more healthy way to engage with it other than like, Oh, my account went down 13%. Like we had Trey on and he was showing us his spreadsheet. He made of all the various jerseys and what was the most rare Jersey, you know, on the site. Like 
those are kind of the fun ways I think to interact with the site, really tell yourself a story about these moments. I see you posting, like you have a ton of fun collecting your thunder guys. And that's become like the that's, game within a game like, for you. That's what I do. And that yeah. was why when I, like I read Bales's post and I logged on, the first thing I bought was not the Tyler Hierro. It was a Lugans door because that's my dude. Yeah. Like that's the fun of it. That, that it, and it should just really should not be any more complicated to people than that. Of like, it's like catching a cool Pokemon or, you know, like it's Pokemon go, but for NBA players. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way. Like I have my spreadsheet of my, you know, series one base moments. I like updating my watch list. You know, yesterday I was like, all right, I'm grabbing the Lamello base if it hits 1K. And I was like, it might hit 1K because of this pack drop, people selling off, trying to get it. I, it ended up getting down to 1150 and then it bounced and I didn't do it and I, it was fine. But it was like, I had my goal for that day. It was fun sweating it. I, I knew my price and then and then I moved on. And like, I don't know, I think you just got to find the fun, healthy ways to engage with the platform and and not let it dominate your life in a destructive way. Which is probably just good news for everyone who is like not a serious financial grinder. Like if, if you have a day job and you're, you're buying Bitcoin or you're buying ETH or you're buying Top Shots or you're buying GameStop or you're buying whatever, like just log out, man. Like it's, it's just the, don't, don't let, do not let that be the thing that determines your mood. Yeah. And I, again, I I'm sympathetic to it. I naturally have uh, an addictive personality. I know you Big do time. too, <laughs> but we also, you and I are very busy. We have lots of different projects. We're pulled in a lot of different directions. So I think it's naturally easier for me not to have all of my, you know, proverbial eggs in a single basket, which can be a disaster for your emotional health because you live and die by that one basket. So I think I'm fortunate right now where I'm bouncing around making content about different stuff. I'm getting excited here to switch to NFL mode. I'm not going to be refreshing Top Shot every day when we're doing Dynasty rookie drafts. Like we're naturally going to get pulled in other directions and that's okay. Like Top Shot can be on the back burner at times. Are you getting excited for the NFL draft? Have you started yeah. to learn guys' names? Yeah. Like, do you like do you do you have like do you do you have ideas on who's going to be the next Visca? So I'm not quite that deep. I'm like I've read Silva's uh, first round mock draft. You know, I'm starting to know kind of how the first ten picks you know, we'll shake out. I'm starting to wonder where Pitts is going to go uh, or if the Falcons might draft a QB. Like I'm I'm at the like high level, bro, and I'm, I'm just going to slowly keep digging deeper here. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm very excited for ship chasing to become a pure football show again. Like I'm I'm very <laughs> yeah I'm very excited to be getting my weekly like when when you guys have registered for the very first main event like that's gonna be when I know it's go time. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very pumped for that. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we'll have to do those like mini pods again, where Karain and I break down our decisions on the picks and Gretch, we have welcomed him into the ship chasing family. So he's going to be a part of that too. So there will be way more bickering, uh, this year now that Gretch is in the fold too, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm super stoked, um, to do a bunch of best ball drafts as well. Get the randomizer drafts going. Um, yeah, I remember even last year, like coronavirus hit, we were all in the like, Oh my God, what are we doing? League of Legends, poker, bales, pushups. But then Dynasty Football hit. We had the draft and we were just like all locked and loaded on NFL there, uh, basically until through the whole season. And I think that's going to happen again for us. 
I have so many dynasty teams where I'm like, what was I doing, man? I mean, it was worth it for the entertainment and the time spent that it gave me during the true depths of like, I wasn't even leaving my house to go golfing at this point last year, but damn man. Like I just have these dynasty teams and I'm like, I'm going to next off season. I'm not going to do it to the owners or the commissioners of these leagues this year, but these teams are eventually they're out. I, don't, I can't, I, I have like, I have like 13 dynasty teams right now. I think you almost need it like a, um, like a one in one out policy. Like if you're adding one, you also need to be willing to, uh, or I mean, obviously we're in a lot of these, um, best ball dynasty ones. Now those are fine. I can do an infinite amount of those. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like having the one or two managed dynasty leagues that you really, really care about. Um, because at the there's what happens is there's the one guy in your league who's willing to work harder on the trade wire. And then like they build a super team and you're like, God, I was asleep at the wheel and not committed enough to this. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. That uh, I think that'll wrap us up. What do, we, what do we have looking forward to this week with ship chasing and club top shot? Yeah, we are getting on a regular schedule for Club Top Shot. We're settling into Tuesday nights. So we actually are going to do one. I don't know if this is going to go up, but we're going to get uh, a show up tonight. And we thought Tuesdays would be resilient to football season uh, as well. Kind of a, a dead yeah. day in the football calendar. And then, yeah, ship chasing. I think we might be getting close to doing a draft, maybe a best ball draft, or keep heading to Corain's Professor Corain's School of Prospects. We did a lot of wide receiver stuff last week. So maybe we do running backs this week and then yeah you know i got the regular stuff uh lulls with brian hooper um see if he doesn't get me canceled uh wanting to talk about you know sports betting uh gossip going around these days and uh yeah all, all the usual good stuff he's all about he's all about trying to get you canceled oh yeah um all right everyone follow pete on twitter help him continue to follow his dreams to monetizing five minute long <laughs> uh paritic uh youtube videos and yes. we will be back next week i think with a super cool guest very unique guest next week i i'm still working on lining that up but i think that you guys will enjoy next week's show remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.